Hasiba Nan is a 24-year-old international student completing his master's degree in media and communications at the University of Strathclyde in Glasgow, Scotland. Adnan was born in Pakistan where he also completed his undergraduate degree at Rifah International University. He is currently in his second year at the University of Strathclyde working on his dissertation about portraying media perspectives. The academic symbol of excellence and the abundance of opportunities is what drew him to attend Strathclyde. Upon his graduation, he hopes to become a teacher in Scotland. He is also fluent in English, yet his multilingual skills weren't always enough to negotiate COPE 26. Sometimes the language barrier might come that the people you are talking with is from France and you don't know the French, maybe. Today, we'll talk about the language barriers and other challenges faced by delegates, diplomats, and journalists like Hasib. I'm Anna Deshaies, and this is Cope Talk Across the Pond. Hi, Hasib. Thank you for meeting with me today. So obviously, you had the really cool and wonderful opportunity of reporting at the conference. Um, can you just take me through what that kind of looked like for you, like your day-to-day preparation and um, how you specifically prepared for reporting at a, such a big conference? So like, uh, considering the 12 important days, actually 13 important days in the Glasgow city for the climate change justice, uh, like understanding the phenomenon, like there was 25,000 international delegates who were uh, playing their roles to be uh, a part of this conference. So it was a kind of thing, like you have to be uh, self-prepared and self-motivated to go out and do something different because each day there was different sort of uh, what we say practices from different individuals who have been trying to contribute in the COP36. So yeah, it was a very big event and you have to be like more concerned about many things in terms of preparation and going out with it. Okay. And then was there anything that went um, unexpectedly at the conference that you weren't planned for? Like, uh, like talking to different person like uh, whoever was participating in the camping to have their slogans and they were quite familiar like what they why they're here and what they want to achieve from this conference so it was a clear, crystal clear call them that uh, why do they want to be a participant in it so according to uk so their narrative is to plant trees uh, then to reduce fuel-efficient cars, and then to build up green energy so they can reduce their efforts for the, they can do their efforts to overcome the climate change thing in UK. There was one guy who, I don't know where, where he was from, uh, I was supposed to be talking to him, and I was just going to talk, but the language thing was the main problem, so I couldn't make it. With the language barrier at COP26 also comes the cultural differences and how different countries communicate about climate change. In an article written by The Guardian, the author goes on to explain how the conversations in COP26 are dominated by a Western notion of how we address climate change. 
It's opening ourselves to different voices, different conversations, and a different dialogue with nature and the environment that is so vital and necessary. The Living Language Land Project has identified 25 words from minority languages and dialects around the world, including Native American Lakota, Marui, a native language of Colombian and Peru, and Scots Gaelic, that highlight each culture's ties to their land. They have released 26 recordings to match the number given to the summit, COPE 26. The work was funded by the British Council and was featured at the summit by its producers, Philippa Bailey and Neville Gobby. Gobby said they hoped to promote a shift in thinking about the climate crisis to focus on humanity's integration with and dependency on the natural world. Bailey, a research manager, said indigenous and minority languages were rooted in their bonds with the surrounding environment. What did you notice the general public doing in Glasgow that stuck out to you? Yeah, like uh, the, the the area which where I'm staying in Glasgow, uh, there has been a park. So it's a, usually a kind of community center like people used to gather over there every Saturday. So what they try to do is they perform different activities with their kids, with their relatives and with their family members because it's a kind of place where they used to spend some time for them. I've seen different number of uh, like posters, stickers, flyers, and costumes from the kids, uh, which were dressed according to a climate change thing. And they have decorated the whole surroundings of the park. Like these kids are usually six, seven years old. And these kids have been trying to help their parents to assess something for the climate change. And when you go to that park and uh, you certainly see the work from them, so it's all about saving your planet. So uh, if you ask me like what these kids gonna do, so they already have something in their mind and they have been working with their parents nowadays and they can go for the like uh, 15 years later for the climate change thing because if they are doing something in their childhood, so it will be easier for them to do in their adulthoods. Uh, like I've seen people, they, they were wearing their costumes uh, which were supposed to be uh, portraying that we need to be climate uh, atmosphere friendly. Like they were dressed up like uh, like saving greenery savers, and uh, many of them were wearing different costumes. They were resembling themselves to be green. That um, it was the color of plants in living creatures around the forest so it was a kind of thing that the public was more motivated they do have their banners on it like they were using a green color which is resemblance of trees and plants usually so they were trying to portray that we have to increase the green energy so we can survive on this planet so they were dressing up in like the color green and as like some of the live creatures Yep, yep, you can say that it was a kind of like, uh, uh, it was a kind of like uh, you trying to be uh, like forest, uh, like plants friendly. So if you talk to them, so they will try to, um, they, just, they, were, they respond with that we have to do our own jobs to save the climate change by next years. So were they dressing up in those costumes and protesting or were they just walking around the city? Look, well, there were different enthusiastic people in the whole scenario. And you can see, like, if a person uh, who's appearing on a march has been dressed up, has to 
come from his home and to to spend some time on their costumes then when they're in the costumes and they have been a part of march and then they try to raise certain voice for certain things so it was obvious that like they were more enthusiastic than the people who were trying to talk to them that why you have been doing certain things to celebrate cope 26 lost world's multilingualism in schools put together a calendar of events for each day of COPE 26 focusing on one specific activity. On day two, November 1st, the event was a song activity used to explore words in other languages linked to weather and climate change. Some of the following day's activities were centered around topics such as in how many languages can you say today the weather is or an interesting activity called posters for change which was an opportunity to encourage children to explore opportunities for environmental change in their local area. Many of these activities put together by Lost Worlds are exactly what the general public was participating in outside the convention centers in Glasgow. The, uh, the general public was going very smoothly and they were, they were playing their roles, they were enjoying themselves. They walked around three, three miles from one place to another, and it was very good. And the crowd, they were heavily crowded in the city. They were heavily crowded in the gathering area. So it was really great. So it was a kind of thing that uh, they do have some, they, they do want to save their planets. It really doesn't matter like, uh, are they trying to pretend to be a politician over there, or they are just normal civilian who just playing their uh, role in, in the whole climate change thing. And was there any discussion about how to assist nations already experiencing the loss and damage due to climate change? Yep, uh, I can go with the example of UK as if you go through with the summit. So they have already highlighted that they are trying to reduce the fuel efficient vehicles by 2050. So uh, their incentive is to get with the electric vehicles and hybrid cars in the whole country. So they can create carbon uh, carbon plants, carbon dioxide generate plants. So uh, they can go with it and they want to save their uh, environment, uh, their climate change uh, with terms to affection of petrol and diesel, like the uh, HGV fuels, like if you are not, so uh, like you have to save uh, fuel so uh, you can just overcome the uh, climate change thing. According to an article written by The Guardian, Canada, New Zealand, the Netherlands, Ireland, and the UK have already agreed to phase out new petrol and diesel car sales by 2030. Ford, Volvo, and Mercedes-Benz have pledged to reach the goal by 2035 in leading markets. India and Kenya have agreed to work intensely towards accelerated proliferation of zero-emission vehicles. The U.S., China, and Germany all declined to sign. Volkswagen, Toyota, and BMW have also not agreed. BMW has told the Financial Times there is still considerable uncertainty about the development of global infrastructure to support a complete shift to zero-emission vehicles. Toyota said, although they refrain from joining the statement, they share the same spirit and determination to address climate change and remain open to engage and work with stakeholders. Toyota will continue to contribute by making the best efforts to achieve carbon neutrality. 
Hopefully, these remaining countries and automobile companies will agree to the deal by 2050, as Hasib had mentioned. Thank you so much for meeting with me today, Hasib. It was great to speak with you. Celebrities like Matt Damon and Leonardo DiCaprio brought an element of glam to COP26, leading some to wonder, was the event just a spectacle or did any real conversation about climate change take place? On the next episode, Penn State's Mitch Broder talks to Olivia Adam at the University of Strathclyde. Join us for COPE Talk Across the Pond, a climate change conversation between Belisario College of Communication students at Penn State and student journalists at the University of Strathclyde in Glasgow. Music